Vineyard, very cool. This is too quiet. Too Thank you. Interaction is good. Hey, uh, welcome to the Vineyard. I'm glad you guys are here. I want to say a couple things before we begin the message this morning. Um, number one, uh, thanks for the love. That was super sweet. Jeremy, financial team, that was like super, super kind. Beyond kind. And uh, appreciate that. That's that's awesome. Uh, secondly, happy Mother's Day. Mama, what up? Mama! Everybody go and hug your mom today. Call your mom if she lives far away. Wow, this is starting to rhyme. I did I didn't realize that. Um, but yeah, treat your mama right. That's a good thing. Uh, in fact, I think, I really don't know what's going on. Somebody will have to help me here a little bit. But Heather said there's even some Mother's Day paintings in the back. Does somebody know what that's about? Like Renee Renfro painted paintings for moms today. So everybody gets something? Is that correct? That is correct? I, I got a text that was almost undiscernible. And I think that's what it meant. So before you leave, hey, get your present. It's from Renee Renfro. All right. Renee Renfro, she goes here. And um, if you would meet people, Dave, you would, you would know her. I'm just kidding. No, uh, Renee and Dwight. Andrew's holding something up. I assume that's it. There we go. It says Happy Mother's Day, so I think we're on the right track. We're on the right track. We want everybody here to feel special. There you go. Oh, there you go. See, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere. You get, see, this is what happens. You get the right people in the room, and things start making sense. And this is, everyone say hello to Renee. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Makes a lot, lot of sense now. Okay, and then finally, I know next weekend is our women's gathering, right? Uh, it's going to be good. The guest speaker is Janet Strout. And I don't know that we've made this clear, but Janet Strout is amazing. And she is the wife of the national director of the vineyard. So Phil and Janet Strout, they, they're like the grand poobahs of the vineyard in the United States. So they're responsible for about 600, 650 churches. Uh, and then, um, you know, they do a lot of international stuff as well. But she's going to be here. That's a really big deal. Somehow my wife sent her an email and she was like, yeah, I'll show up. Which It's crazy. So it's really cool. She will be here for the women's gathering. If you signed up, that's going to be great. Also, just FYI, she'll be speaking here next Sunday, so everybody gets to hear from Janet. She's going to come in here and be the grand poobah grandmother and just give us the vineyard 100%, you know? So if you've ever been wondering, like, what is the vineyard beyond what Vineyard Campbellsville is, we'll get a taste of that next week, which is really great. And I'm excited about that. Okay, I don't think I have any other announcements. Good. We have announcement videos, and then I take up the first five minutes of this doing announcements. Sometimes you have to. It's okay. Um, here's what I want to do this morning. This is part three of our series called Lecture and Lab. Have you all enjoyed the last two Sundays? Yeah, hasn't it been fun? It's more fun when church is interactive, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's the right answer. This is our series called Lecture and Lab. I've been talking for just a few minutes, and then we've been doing stuff. We're going to do the same thing again today. We're going to spend a few minutes. Uh, I'm going to chat with you guys about a few things out of the Scripture, and then we're going to do some stuff. I don't know. We're going to do some stuff. What are we going to do? I don't know. We're going to do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. That's what we're going to do. The first thing I want to do this morning, though, is I want to read you a Scripture that will be sort of a backdrop to everything I want to say. And it comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is what Paul says in verse 7. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. We'll stop right there for one moment and we'll come back to this scripture. This is going to be what we want to unpack this morning. But right now... I want to start with, with this. We're in this series called Lecture and Lab. And, and we're doing this series because this is one way of seeing the mission of the church expressed. Lecture and Lab. We hear some things and then we, then we do some things. That's what church is. How, what is church? Church is where you hear some stuff and you do some stuff. It's one of the ways that you could 
describe it. One of the scriptures that's been sort of the backdrop scripture for this whole series comes out of 1 John. Let's put that up this morning. We've been looking at this scripture for the past three weeks. It says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. We'll stop there. What we see in this scripture and what we've been sort of unpacking is that the way of a disciple is this. It's where you hear some things, then you see some things, then you touch some things, you experience it, you handle it, and then you become a proclaimer. And we've been talking for the past few weeks about how one of the reasons that the church in America is so impotent is because it's largely a church where we only hear things, but we never see anything, and we almost certainly never touch anything. But it's seeing and touching that ultimately leads you to the place where you can proclaim. And, and proclaim or testify here, read for that, distribute. Everything that we've received, everything that we've heard, seen, and touched, now we break off and we give to you. That's what it means to be a disciple. What does it mean to be a church? Well, part of what it means to be a church is, it means to, it means to be a group of people who not only come together, but church is the safe place. It's a safe place where we can hear some stuff, where we can see some stuff, where we can touch some stuff, and then we can all become messengers, dispensers. This is about disciple making. This is about disciple formation. And everybody here needs to go through the process of hearing, seeing, touching, and proclaiming. Does that mean that everybody here is going to be a preacher? No, but it does mean that everybody has something to give. Uh, Does it mean that everybody here is going to stand up on the stage and hold a microphone? Uh, No, many of you don't even want to do that. That's great. But it does mean that everybody here is a messenger. Everybody here is a messenger, and you've got a platform. But you need to hear, see, and touch some stuff so that you can effectively proclaim something off of your platform. See, here's the deal. It's actually impossible to stay on the sidelines forever if you're truly becoming a disciple of Jesus. If you're really becoming His disciple... It's not possible to stay on the sidelines. See, this is what the church is called to be. The church is called to be a place where people can come and hear some things, see some things, actually touch some things, read for that, gain first-hand experience, and then finally give those things away. And what that means is that the message of the church is not just what someone hears, but the message of the church has to be what somebody sees and handles as well. See, Jesus' sermons were never just the things that he said. See, a lot of us have like red letter Bibles. Anybody in here have red letter Bibles? There's nothing sinful about red letter Bibles. I, I, I hate them. I hate them. They're not sinful. You can have one and, and they might even be helpful to you. I hate them. The reason I hate red letter Bibles is because it elevates Jesus' words above what he does. And it sows into us the mild deception that what Jesus has to say is more important than what he's doing. Uh, Jesus' sermons... Jesus' sermons were never just what he said, but they were also the things that he did. So, for instance, healing is a sermon. And how many of you know if you're sick, it's a better message? Does this make sense? Yeah, it's a big deal. That's what church is. Church has to be this place where we don't just hear some things, but we see, handle, and actually then become proclaimers. So the church is this place where we can come and get firsthand experience. The church is also a place where we can try some new things. Where we can try some new things. And the church is a place where everything uh, Jesus said and did is available for us to practice, which means, which means that the church is a place for us to be comfortable being uncomfortable, if we can say it that way. Why? Because if you're practicing things you're not good at, it doesn't always look slick. Right? Right? So part of what this means is it's, a, it's sort of a culture flip on what church has to be. Church is a place where it's okay to fail. Especially, especially when we're trying to do the things that Jesus did and be the sort of people that Jesus was. So when Peter walked out on the water... When Peter walked out on the water, and then, and by the way, you understand he walked on the water. He re, it wasn't like figurative, it wasn't metaphorical. He walks on the water, and then you guys know the story. He began to sink. How many of you understand that no one gets kicked out for sinking after you've walked on the water? Like, if you're practicing and you sink a little bit, ain't nobody going to kick you out. 
not, not only that, but no one gets no one gets escorted out because you need practice learning how to do Jesus' kind of stuff. This is what church means. And, and also what this means is, is, if any of this stuff that I'm saying is true, it means that church is messy and church will oftentimes be awkward. See, we, we, we despise awkwardness, especially in the West. We want to do everything we can to separate ourselves from any sort of awkwardness and, and, and mitigate awkward moments. We, we, you know, we love to watch The Office. One of the reasons that the show The Office has, was so, so popular is because it's just one awkward moment after another. And it's fun to have and see those awkward moments like on TV from a distance. We hate to be in them, right? But here's the deal. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus, like really disciples of Jesus, not just in name, but in doing the things that he did, church will, by definition, have to be sometimes very awkward. Are you okay with that? Yeah. It will be awkward. If we're going to practice, it means we won't always be slick. It is sometimes going to be awkward. Not only that, but I've come to believe that super polished church, whatever super polished church is, Super Polished Church is really nice to visit, but there's not much of lasting value happening there in terms of making people who look like Jesus. Now, am I just like kicking every other church in the head? No, I understand the desire to make church polished and sharp. Like, that's, I mean, I'm a pastor. I want this place to work good. I want it to be great. I want the band to be great. I want the lights to be right. I want everything to be good. I want people who are who are safe to greet the children in children's church. I want it to be I want the snacks to be good and there and and I want it to be cleaned up afterwards. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I know that if we get too slick or too polished, what actually happens is Basically, an expert spirit falls on the church and it makes most of us mostly spectators while the experts do their expert stuff. And it will kill the church. The worst thing that can happen to a church is one or two people who are really gifted doing everything. That destroys it. It will be cooler. It will be way cooler. You'll get a better reputation. Uh, By the way, I know how to grow this church to double the size in about three years. I know the things that we can do. I'm against every single one of them. Because what will eventually happen is we will have a church that's twice the size in three years and nobody's looking like Jesus. We're just showing up for a place that we can check out of. We feel good about it. Does this make sense? Yeah. What's one of the things we could do to... I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to go there. No hobby horses this morning. Just stay in the spirit. So super polished church, nice to visit, but probably doesn't have much of lasting value when it comes to making people who look like Jesus. See, if church isn't occasionally clunky and messy and imperfect, then we're probably not growing. And I'm not just talking about numerically, I'm talking about on the inside. Growth is always the awkward entry into that which you are not quite ready for. How many of you guys have watched middle school basketball? It's awkward, right? There's really no basketball worse than middle school basketball. It's the worst basketball you can watch. Uh, Upward basketball with younger kids is actually more enjoyable than middle school basketball. And the reason is this. Because middle school basketball is played by middle school boys and girls who have not quite grown into their bodies yet. You know the kid with arms that are six inches too long? And he's got feet like four sizes bigger than they ought to be. And he's plodding down the court and he's like tripping over himself. No one's around him and he got fouled. They're like, somebody pick that poor kid up and let him shoot a free throw. <laughs> he's going through puberty. He's got a, he's got a, he's got a mustache, kind of. <laughs> you know, somebody help that kid. He smells terrible. He smells, like, smells like onions and testosterone. <laughs> What's the matter with this kid? That's church. If we're doing it right... That's church. If we're doing it right, that's it. Because what it means is we're growing. It means that we're growing. Does it mean that the whole church has to be in a permanent state of adolescence? No, but it does mean that there needs to be significant amounts of who we are always in this place of spiritual adolescence, not quite grown into who we really are. Does this make sense? 
And even when you grow into who you are in one area, you should be entering adolescence in another area. You should start smelling like onions and testosterone and estrogen. You should have feet that are a little bit too big. You should be tripping over yourself. There should be this kind of awkwardness that's just around. That's okay. That's okay. Another thing that I want to say here, and I'm going to go go theological for three and a half minutes. Can we do that? Everybody cool with this? Well, we've been theological right up to this point, but we're going to go, we're going to go hyper-theological for just a minute because I think this is important. N- not only is church a place where we can experiment and fail and be awkward, and we want that even here at the Vineyard, but um, when it comes to lecture and lab, when it comes to lecture and lab, uh, one of the things I want us to keep in mind is that here at the Vineyard, we are Trinitarian believers, Uh, meaning that we believe in a Trinitarian God. Uh, He's the Father, He's the Son, He's the Holy Spirit, yet He is one. Uh, Just like the Jesuits, we here at the Vineyard, we believe that God is that perfect chord. Three distinct notes, but when you play them at the same time, they are a harmonious new thing. Does this make sense? Now, why why, why am I even talking about the Trinity right now? Well, I'm I'm talking about the Trinity because... Because here at the Vineyard, we believe that the Christian life should be formed by the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit when we gather. When we gather. See, we believe believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and we worship Him. Uh, We believe that the Father is the Creator and that He's the love that we need. And we also believe that the Holy Spirit is here and that He's guiding, that He's comforting, and that He's empowering us to look like Jesus. Now, this is important, and I bring it up because when you go to church, you're often going to hear a lot of things about Jesus, and that's good. And you're probably going to hear more than a few things about the Father, and that's very good as well. But if you go to most churches, you're probably going to hear very little about the precious Holy Spirit, and that is terribly bad. We need a holistic experience, a holistic Trinitarian experience. Every time we come here, we need to make room for Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. He's not the weird, scary uncle. He's precious. And we can't look like Jesus until we honor him. We have to make space for him. We have to make space for the precious Holy Spirit. See, typically, typically uh, for most believers, the Holy Spirit is only mentioned in terms of conviction. Uh, which, by the way, the Holy Spirit does a convicting work. Uh, some people here may be feeling convicted about all sorts of things right now, even while I'm talking. For You're like, why am I even feeling like this? Well, it's just he's here and he's pushing buttons. Uh, he does a work of conviction, but that's not the only thing he does. In fact, I've come to believe it's not even most of what he does. It's not even most of what he does. See, the Holy Spirit empowers you and I to live life like Jesus lived, which expressed the will of the Father. So if I'm going to say one thing real, really theological here. See, here at the Vineyard, we believe that the church has to be a living, breathing expression of our Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Spirit. See, we've got to leave some room. We've got to leave some room for the Spirit to come and animate the body of Jesus. And by the way, that's me and you. I want to read you one more scripture this morning. It's out of 1 Corinthians 12. It's verse 27. Paul says this, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you are a part of it. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you are a part of it. We need to leave some room in our gatherings for the Holy Spirit to come and animate the body of Christ. Until we honor the Spirit, we have no chance of actually looking like Jesus. And that's the Father's intention. See, the church is the place where the Father's will is empowered by the Spirit, resulting in lives that look like the Son. I'm going to say that again because I I want us to get this. What is the church? The church is the place where the Father's will is empowered by the Holy Spirit, resulting in lives that look like the Son. But we've got to leave some room for the Spirit. This is what it means when the Bible talks about you and I being children of God. Uh, Being a child of God is not just a status, and it's not just a title, but it is a quality, it is a texture, and it is a kind of being. It is a kind of being. It's an incarnation. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the incarnation is not just something that happened to Jesus, but it is something that is happening to us, especially when we get together. What is the incarnation? It is the enfleshment. That's what incarnation means. It means enfleshment. It means that Jesus, who was God, eternal, took on human flesh and became a man. And when he did so, he didn't become less God in the process. 
that phenomenon, that mystery, that, that essential tenet of Christianity, like that's something you have to believe. That's not an optional part. Um, that essential tenet, that is not just something that happened to Jesus, but it is something that is happening to us. We are flesh that is taking on spirit. Jesus was spirit and took on flesh. We are flesh and we're taking on spirit. These, this thing right now, this is an incarnational moment. Every time we get together on a Sunday morning, it is not unlike when Mary had a baby that she didn't have sex to get and gave birth to the Son of God. Like something is happening here. And we have to leave room for the Holy Spirit in order for this thing to happen. You being a daughter of God and you being a son of God, that is not a title. It is God's intention for your life. It is an actual kind of texture and a quality of life. Does this make sense? See, he wants to incarnate something. So the church is where we honor all three. The Spirit is not the scary member of the family. If you, if you listen to most Christians, this is basically how you break down the Trinity. Uh, uh, the, the, father's, the Father's pissed, Jesus is nice, and the Holy Spirit's weird. No, the, the Father is love. The Father is love. Jesus is our Lord, Savior, and example, our older brother. And the Holy Spirit is precious, and He's welcome. And you cannot look like Jesus here's the deal. Here's what's weird. If you just talk about Jesus all the time, if you just talk about Jesus, you'll never look like him. You have to make room for the Holy Spirit. And if you talk about Jesus and it never causes you to talk about the Holy Spirit of the Father, you're not really talking about Jesus. Jesus Jesus is who he was, did what he did because the Spirit empowered him. He never once played his God card. Never once. Uh, Jesus didn't kick out devils, heal the sick, or cleanse lepers because he was God's son. He did it because he had spirit empowerment. This is good news. All right. Where am I at? Oh, now I know where I'm at. Onions and testosterone. Let's go back to that. Okay, now I want to talk about our little scripture this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's put that back up. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. I think 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7, I think that is church in one verse. That is a killer definition of church in one verse. A couple things really quick. Uh, whenever the Apostle Paul starts talking about spiritual gifts, he is almost always going to talk about the church as a body and love in that same context. So in 1 Corinthians 12, he starts talking about Holy Spirit gifts, and then he starts talking about uh, you're the body of Christ, and then ver- in chapter 13, he talks about love, and then in chapter 14, he's back to talking about Holy Spirit gifts again. He's talking about uh, prophecy in tongues. Okay? Uh, we're all kind of aware of that, right? Okay, there's two other places where Paul specifically talks about Holy Spirit gifts. That would be Romans 12 and then also Ephesians 4. And if you read the text in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 closely, one of the things you will see is uh, every single time that Paul talks about gifts of the Holy Spirit, he, all, he, he also talks about love and this image that we're a body. Why? Well, I think he does this because you and I have the tendency to use even Holy Spirit power in an individualistic way that's less than loving. Can we agree on that? I think that Paul talks about us being a body, and I think he talks about love always right next to Holy Spirit gifts because the natural inclination of our heart is to use even Holy Spirit power in an individualistic way that's less than loving. See, here's the deal. You and I, we love power. God loves love. Just shake your head if you're with me. Come on. By the way, I'm preaching really good. I hope y'all are getting this. Because you and I love power and God loves love, because there is a tendency to use even Holy Spirit power in an individualistic way that's less than loving, because of that, that's the reason why some people say things like this. Maybe you've heard them. You know, what we ought to do, we should just focus on being a good person. 
just, you know, let's love Jesus and let's focus on just being good people. That'll be good enough. Maybe you've even said that before. Or maybe you've heard this. You know, it's really not the gifts of the Spirit that are important. It's the fruits of the Spirit that are important. You know, people will do that. Uh, Well, I just want to say this to those two things. Uh, Hogwash. Uh, Like, why are we creating false dichotomies as if it was either or? Uh, It's not A or B. It's not like Jesus stands up in front with one of those long, skinny Bob Barker microphones and says, Would you like to have door number one or door number two? Tell them what they'll get. Well, over here we've got gifts of the Spirit. And over here we've got fruit of the Spirit. Go over here and you'll be a jerk, but you'll do stuff. Go over here, you'll never do anything, but you'll be sweet. Your choice. That isn't how it works. In God's kingdom, you get both doors. Tell them what they get. You get both. Come on down. You know? Hey, guys, it's going to get worse than that. If you're offended now, just just wait. Yeah, you'll hear people say that, you, you know, you know, well, you know. We don't, what, we don't really need the gifts of the Spirit. They're awkward, and it makes people sometimes a little jerky and, and brash. What we need is, we need love, joy, peace, patience. Y- yeah, we, we need it all. We need it all. You know, God wants to do more than just make you a kind person. He wants to make you a kind person, but He wants to make you a different kind of kind. See, earthly kindness... Earthly kindness is sympathy, but heaven is more like empathy, which is, I'm going to get in there with you, solidarity, maybe even do something about it. Okay? Heaven's kindness is not just watch a bad thing and feel sorry. Heaven's kindness is enter into it fully. That's what Jesus does. Enter into it fully and then do something about it. I don't think you can even understand the fruits of the Spirit until you have some gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't think you can even understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit until you understand the fruit of the Spirit. I think they define each other. I don't have time to talk about that today, but we'll get there one day. I think they define each other. So this idea that you, you just need one and you know maybe not the other, we should downplay it. It's false. Also consider this. Um, one of the main reasons that Paul wrote the letter of First Corinthians is because that the Corinthians were actually misusing spiritual gifts. See, all, every one of Paul's letters, it, it's this letter, which means it's a one-way conversation. So when you read it, you kind of have to, while you're reading it, imagine why he might be saying these things. Well, the reason that Paul wrote First Corinthians is because, at least in large part, the Corinthians were misusing spiritual gifts. And rather than telling the Corinthian church who was misusing spiritual gifts to cool it on spiritual gifts, rather than telling them to take a break, what he actually tells them is, you should desire spiritual gifts even more. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 3. Pursue the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, you people who are misusing them. Try that one on. Isn't that amazing? It's not about not using them or taking a break, but it's about using them right. Now, here's the other thing I want you to do. I want you to imagine a body. I want you to imagine a body with blood and veins and feet and hands and lungs and heart and eyes and skin, breathing, living, and alive. I want you to imagine a body. You just looked at one of your neighbors there. I want you to imagine this body. Okay, that's us. Imagine a body. It's living, it's breathing, it's got blood and veins and feet and hands and lungs and eyes and skin. It's alive. That's us. See, when we're together, we're this fully functioning body. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And not only that, but part of what he's getting at is we're more alive when we're together than when we're apart. There is a certain kind of aliveness you cannot get unless you come to a church and you enter in and you participate. Some of us are like looking for that next thing, that next thing, that next thing, that next pill, that next purchase that's going to make us feel alive. It ain't going to happen. There's not a pill. They don't make pills to make you feel alive. They make some that make you feel twitchy, but they don't make anything that makes you feel alive. Aliveness comes from this kind of togetherness, this kind of connection, and this kind of union. There won't be a drink. There's nothing at the bottom of a bottle that'll make you feel alive. There's, there's not a purchase you can make. You can swipe. You can just 
You can tear it up. And there's no one that you can have sex with that's going to make you feel alive. You can have sex with all kinds of people. And at the end of the day, you'll be more dead than alive. And then eventually, death will enter your body and it'll just take over. Bummer town. See, aliveness, part of, the, part of the buzz we're all looking for, part of that transcendent thing that everybody's looking for, it's actually here and present among us right now. It was here during worship. That's why we got to enter in. You, can't, you just can't be a spectator and enter into the life. Uh, if you just remain a spectator, you'll, you'll go and try to drink it, take the pill, sleep with it, you know, whatever you're going to do. You just, but you won't enter into it. So I want you to imagine this body, blood, veins, heart, hands, feet, eyes, breathing, alive, fully functioning. Every time we get together, we are that body. That's what Paul says. See, again, this idea of incarnation, it's an ongoing fact. We're this body and the Spirit of God comes and animates it. Now let's consider for a moment what bodies have to do in order to stay alive. Let's consider what bodies have to do in order to stay alive. Now, what I'm about to say here this morning uh, about bodies uh, isn't necessarily scientifically precise, but I do believe it's medically accurate. Bodies got to take in oxygen, and if you take in oxygen, you give off what? Carbon dioxide. So you take something in and you let go of something, right? You receive and then you give, right? This is, this is part of what Paul is talking about, especially when we... Think of it here, okay? Got to read this whole chapter sometime. Bodies take in oxygen and they give off carbon dioxide. The heart gives and receives blood to the rest of the body from the rest of the body. The heart is constantly receiving and giving. Isn't that interesting? It's a, it's, it's a metaphor. How, how do you know when your heart is healthy, awake, alive, and doing what it's supposed to do? When it's giving and receiving. What would happen if your heart only received? Somebody said it, what? It would blow up. I believe that's medically accurate. Am I right, Summer? I think it would blow up. I have doctor confirmation on that. What would happen if your heart only gave and never received? It would choke. What would happen if your lungs only received and never gave? Do you see how this works? It's really crazy, but a lot of times, uh, even natural created order is telling the truth of God's gospel. The universe is declaring the truth a billion different ways. What does it mean to be the church? Church is where you come and you get some stuff, but... It's, it's also this place where you've got to come and you've got to give something. If you don't, you'll die. Uh, the, the body takes food and water in and it gives off waste and toxins. What if, you, what, if you just, what if you just put in and you never gave anything up? Wasn't that a clever way of saying that? I put that in my notes, by the way. Just to keep me on target before I go and... Start going bananas like I sometimes do. See, the body is a picture of giving and receiving. Even within itself, it's just like the Trinity. And the Trinity is always giving and receiving. What is church? This is church. Church is a place where we can come to give and receive. Every part supplying what is needed. Now, there are a couple things that hinder us from this kind of stuff. Uh, There's just sociological factors. Sociological factors. Uh, It's just a fact. When you get this many people together, when you get this many people together, we just sort of check out. And it's not your fault. It's just something we do, right? We just check out. Uh, When you get a church, this is also something that people who study church stuff uh, realize. When you get a church, when it goes above 400, participation goes to the floor. Why? Why? Because sociologically, we just sort of know I can check out. The thought that's running in our brains, probably not at the front of our brains, but deep, deep down in our brains. And that ancient primitive part down here, uh, what is that part in the back of your brain called? Somebody tell me. I don't know. Sammy, what is it? The brain, down to the brainstem, your brainstem knows this. I don't have to do it. Somebody else will. 
what, what keeps us from being a church in a body of giving and receiving? It's some of it's just sociology. We get this many people in here, we can hide out. We just know, ah, somebody else will probably do that. I don't, I don't have to do anything. Somebody else will do that. And so we just start checking out. And we become spectators. We become passive. And by passive, I mean this. Sometimes we become so passive that we won't even receive. This happens all the time. I can't tell you how many times this happens. People come to church sick or significantly broken. Like you've been to the doctor four times. And by the way, we believe in doctors. We believe that doctors are one of God's uh, biggest tools and one of the main ways he heals people. We ain't against doctors. But let me say this. Let me say this. If you've been to the doctor three times, why not get some prayer? Like, like, here's the deal. It's not go to doctor or go to Jesus. I'm saying, why don't we do both? Why would you ever do one without the other? Hello. Hello. So sometimes we become so passive, we can't even receive. And when you can't receive, you're that heart that's starving for blood. You don't know it yet, but you're that heart that's starving for blood. You cannot hang to carbon dioxide. It will kill you. Hello. Then there's another part here. There's the tendency to be the kind of person who can either give or receive. This is really common too. The kind of person who can give or receive. See, some people people have the need, it's deep in them, just to be givers. Uh, and, And sometimes the need becomes like this dominating narrative in their life. And they can only be givers. No, I'm always the giver. You know, I, 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 no, I, I'm not going to let you do anything for me. I'm going to do something for you. Like, you, if you met that person, they're miserable. They have a facade of godliness, but it isn't. Someone who can only always ever give is someone who has profound control issues stemming from God knows what kind of insecurity that has never been touched, probably a daddy issue that needs spoken to. Control. Got to control everything. I need to be known as this person. It's a power. It's actually a power play. It's, it's, it's a subtle form. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not, I don't receive from Marcus. No, I give to Marcus. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. You've met that person, right? So there's those people, but then there's also the other people, people who only ever receive, will not give, only ever receive, only ever receive. Um, over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Never, ever, ever, ever give. Never give. Always receive. Always, always, always. Over and 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 over. And you know what that kind of person is? That kind of person is a blood clot. Here's the danger in coming to church and only being a receiver. Receive, 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 receive. Receiving the life of God, receiving the life of God, receiving the life of God, receiving the blood of Jesus. Receive, 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 receive. You become a blood clot and eventually that blood clot breaks loose. It goes to your brain and it either severely, severely hinders you or it kills you. Let's try this on for size. If we have a church that's mostly receivers who are over and 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 over receivers, they become spiritual blood clots. And then here's what happens. You lose your ability to clearly speak with authority. You ever met with somebody who had a stroke? See, lots of churches in America have had strokes. They've had a message of receiving the love of God, receiving the love of God, receive, receive, receive. And they never became about serving or blessing or using our spiritual gifts so we can help each other. And they ended up having that blood clot. It broke loose and went to their brain. And they can't talk anymore. And what they do say, it has no authority. Does this make sense? This happens in individual lives. It happens in church bodies. It happens in movements. It happens in the big C church. From micro to macro. Uh, when, when you have a blood clot, you lose your mobility. Uh, you, you eventually become unable to serve. Eventually, you become only able to be served. Everybody has to keep you on life support. When we get to that spot, we probably ought to just unplug it. Let it die. So what is church? Here's what church is. Church is the place. Church is the place where we come to give. And here's why. Church is the place where we come to give. If you and I take the posture to come and give, to give God our worship and to give people our gifts, the gift of our present 
presence and the gift of our spiritual gifts will create a culture where everybody receives. Everybody receives. It'll become a culture. It'll become a way of life. If we build a culture of receiving, we eventually get blood clots and die of spiritual strokes. But if we create a culture of giving, if we create a culture of, of, of blessing, of seeing my life as, a, as an opportunity to serve and, and to bless people around me, of knowing what my spiritual gifts are and then using them to help each other, something else happens altogether. Uh, this takes intention. Uh, we have to come here with a heart position to give. We have to listen before we come. What am I talking about? Coming to church. I'm saying we have to, before we even set the car in the direction of the vineyard, we have to go, you know what? I am going to give. I am going to give God my worship and I'm going to bless this church with my spiritual gifts. I'm going to serve in kids' church. I'm going to make coffee. I'm going to greet at the door. I'm going to do hospitality. Or, and, and I'm going to be listening. Holy Spirit, you got something you just want to say to somebody? You have some encouragement that you want me to give? I don't want to be a spiritual blood clot. You've been so good to me. You have some life that you'd like to flow to me? Uh, Holy Spirit, you got, what do you want? You want me to give 40 bucks to somebody? Uh, who are you talking to me about? Holy Spirit, what is going on? I'm going to enter into the life. I want to get into the flow. I want to be an exchange person of the flow and the life of God. I want to be alive. I want to be really, really alive. And so before you even get in your car and point it in this direction, you go, you know what? God, what are you saying? What are you saying? Uh, how many of you notice that when you come to church, you a lot of times fight with your spouse? Yeah. You don't? Dude. The only reason Heather and I don't is because I get here before she does. Look, back when Heather and I used to come to church together, we would fight all the time. What's that about? It's just the devil. He doesn't want you to be in a mode of giving. He wants you to be sullen. He wants you to neither give nor receive. Uh, have you noticed that sullen people can, can neither give nor receive? Sullen. The devil. The devil doesn't mind if you go to church, by the way. He just doesn't want you to enter in. So it takes intention. God, who do you want me to pray for? Who do you want me to encourage? Is there something you want me to do? Is there any way you want me to be a benefit? And you have to have a little expectation that if you ask God these kinds of things, he'd say something and that something would happen. Something amazing would happen. And by the way, you're totally, totally capable Paul says spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. I don't have time to go in this, but every person here is gifted. There's not, a, there's not an ungifted person. Uh, part, of the, part of the mystery and the, and the wonderful thing that is the church is this reality. Everybody has something and nobody has everything. We need each other. Everybody's got something and ain't nobody got everything. We need each other. You've got to give your gift. Amen? Amen. All right. Hey, uh, Sammy and Jesse and Brian, why don't y'all come up? Come on down. Yeah. You can grab this. All right. All right. Everyone say hello to my helpers this morning. Here's what we're going to do. We're just, I asked these guys and this gal to help me this morning, and I asked them just to be listening uh, for the Holy Spirit, and to see if he wanted to say or do anything this morning. And I wanted to give them an opportunity to share. And we're going to turn this into lab for a few moments. So they're going to give probably some prophetic words and maybe even some words of knowledge. If you don't know what that is, come on out to me later. I'll fill you in. Or just watch. Just watch. Is that all right? You want to go first, Jesse? Everyone say hello to Jesse. Hi. Um, so I really feel like a maternal spirit is here today. Of course, it's, it's mommy's day, so that's a good thing. Um, and I really feel like that the Lord really wants to lay that on Marcus and Kelly. So I really just want to bless you guys with receiving nurturing from Jesus. Like I really saw like an, a suckling from the father's chest, like a nurturing over your family, over your marriage, over your dreams, over everything inside of you, like really receiving this miraculous nurturing from the Father. Mm. Um, so the second thing is, I feel like there are a few people here, there may be a lot of people here, who really need permission to step into that next place in life. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it is a, a new direction in education. Maybe it is even... Moving somewhere. Mm. 
Maybe that thing's like stirring inside of you and you're like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. But you really just need your daddy to say, hey, we give you permission. And you really need your church family to give you permission. So if you want to be so bold this morning, just to stand up. Mm-hmm. Is that anybody? Anybody here? Does this feel like that's you? Seth, oh. awesome. Yeah. Anyone else? Anyone else? Mr. Luke. Yeah, if you don't mind, stand up. We're just going to like reach our hand out to you and give you total permission as your family. As your family. Travis, We're going to sing Anyone else? Out. This is the part where this is, this is lab. This is lab. So if that's you, you need to just stand it on up. Anyone else? Jess, you want to pray for them now? Yeah, I do. All right, hey, why don't we do this, though? Why don't we get a couple of people? Just, if you're close, lay hands on these, these mm-hmm. fellows. Let's just pray for them. It's okay to move around in church. Rows and columns, forget it. Well, Jesus, we love Travis, and we love Seth, and we love Luke. Yeah. And, Lord, thanks that you love them, too. And we release them as their family, as their brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. We release Travis Mm -hmm. to step out, to go on. Mm -hmm. We release you in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Luke, we release you. We release your dreams. We release your destinies. We release open heavens above your life Mm -hmm. in Jesus' name. And Seth, we say, you have wide open spaces. Mm -hmm. You have wide open spaces, Seth. Yeah. Thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name, we as your family, we give you permission. And we give you permission to hear from the Father. And that he's okay with you going on and taking that next step. Amen. 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 Hey, uh, and even while we do this next thing, if, if some of you other people, while we were praying for them, I bet some people got words for Travis and Luke and Seth. We, after, afterwards, just give it to them, okay? Yep. Brian, your turn. Everyone say hello to Brian. All right, this is my first time doing this, so, okay. <laughs> um, well, uh, first off, I have word for Biff and Evelyn. Uh, I just saw Noah and his wife, and mm-hmm. I feel like God's saying... God remembered Noah. God remembers you. The wa- the floodwaters are about to recede, and you're about to see a mountaintop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had another gen- general word for, for anybody here. I, in service, I just kept thinking of the song London Bridges, and I feel like there are people here who are frantically trying to mend broken things in their life mm-hmm. and are in need of divine intervention. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then we really want to pray for you today. Yeah, let's just stop right here. Uh, is there anybody here uh, this morning that, that feels like, what kind of bridges? London bridges. But London bridges wait, falling down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but what, what did, you say, did you say relational bridges? Rela- they what could is, either be relational. Yeah. It can be anything broken in their lives that they're frantically trying to Yeah, yeah, okay, to good. Yeah, anybody in here feel like there's broken stuff that you feel like it's falling down and you're trying to fix it? Like, majorly. Yeah. Maybe marriage. Yeah, uh, maybe marriage. Any, 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 any of that kind of stuff? Here's what we'll do. After after we wrap this thing up, we will come up and we will pray for you. Okay, I think that's a, that's that's the Lord. Somebody here, some people. I think there's many people here. That's good word. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Okay, uh, I've got a few. I'm going to start with one. I really felt the Lord say there's somebody here who hasn't met Jesus, mm. uh, the Lord Jesus, and of course Jesus is actually a historical person. But he is also God among us. And if that's you um, and you want to meet the Lord today, he's here. He's here for you. Um, and uh, this lady here, I did feel the Lord say happy Mother's Day. And uh, I also felt the Holy Spirit say that that your children who are walking with the Lord, it's, it's a very, very large part because of who you've been mm. as a mother. And that your ministry, though maybe it went unseen, didn't go unseen with the Father. Mm. Amen. Um, and this lady here in the green. I, yeah. I, what's your name? Rachel. Rachel, I, I felt the Lord say that he has a better word for you. Mm-hmm. And um, that maybe someone had, had spoken a word to you that wasn't from him. 
and he wants you to know that it wasn't from him and he has a better word for you mm. and maybe you know what that is mm-hmm. Rachel, um, does that make sense okay cool um and for this gentleman in the red shirt uh, I felt the Lord say that uh, you, you've got a, a professional opportunity coming up, and uh, it's a promotion of types. And I think it's more than just financial blessing. Um, there's going to be joy, a joy with working. Mm-hmm. And there may be a little bit of risk involved as well, mm-hmm. but f- look for that. Does that make any sense at all? Okay, cool. Okay, and yeah. then I have... It's okay to say no, too. Like, yeah, it's all right. Like, There's no like pressure here. Fa- failing, like, we're, we're over that. Um, Sammy and I are this, professionals at that, actually. <laughs> I want to shake your hand. What's your name? Matt, uh, you, you, I saw your hands going international, and, and you've got a ministry that will be international. And by ministry, I don't necessarily mean, you know, praying for the sick, even though it might include that. It may even be business, mm. but your borders will be international. Mm. Yeah. So believe that. Uh, and then I've got a couple words of knowledge for healing. Yeah, let's We've do got that. Time. Yeah, we got uh, time. Somebody has maybe some pain in their, it's like a burning pain on the right side of their, their middle back. Anybody have that? Anybody having some right side of their back hurt? Okay. Okay. There we go. Well, we'll pray for you. And then maybe somebody with some throat issues. Mm-hmm. Anybody? Throat issue? People? Miss Andrea? Okay. And I think that's it. Okay, cool. All right, guys, here's what we want to do. Uh, we had a lot of words that I think a lot of people probably need to respond to. Uh, these guys are going to stay here and we want to pray for you. Everyone else, just stand up. I'm going to pray a prayer. We're going to dismiss us. But uh, Sammy's words for healing, bridges that you're trying to fix and need mending. If that's you, come up. These people want to pray for you. Uh, We're going to have a good time. All right. Hey, why don't you do this? Let's just go vineyard here again. We'll just put our hands out. It's not super spiritual. It's just a thing we do. (laughs) Actually, it just lets our body be connected to our heart. Father, we say we want more of you. We we just, we love what you're doing. and, And God, we want to be people who see, who hear, who touch, and who give. God, would you even now begin to flip the context for everybody here uh, about what church is? Uh, church is not the boring place where you go and you sit down and you shut up and you be good. Uh, church is the place where you give. Father, would you give us things to give? Uh, words of encouragement. God, would you just would you allow our gifts to be helpful to one another? And we ask this in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father. And in the name of the Holy Spirit, who is precious and welcome here. Amen. If you need to come up for prayer, you come on up. Come on up. Do not be shy. Otherwise, give somebody a high five and a hug. Kick up your kids.